I just came by to stir your soul up a bit. This is the Perfectly Imperfect Podcast with Regina and Christine, where we share our stories as women openly and honestly. We believe it's through our journeys, our happy and sad times that connect us as sisters, because we're all perfectly imperfect. Welcome back to Perfectly Imperfect, the podcast where we have vulnerable conversations about mental health, self-growth, and relationships. I'm Regina. And I'm Christine. Today we have a very unspecial guest. <laughs> Just kidding. He's the most special guest ever. And no, it's not Jack. <laughs> it's the runner-up. <laughs> Let's welcome my brother again, Michael Chen. Yay! Hey. Yay. Thanks for having me back. Thanks for coming back. I know. Yeah. I had to be convinced. And I was like, so what did you have to do to like lure him over? <laughs> because he wants to be able to speak his truth versus me talking for him like I always do on these podcasts. <laughs> so do you know that Mike, he listens to every episode? Oh I do. Yeah. I do. Thank you. I don't know which episode it was. I remember something was being said about. <laughs> He's like, about, I, need to, I need to come on the record to fix this. I think it was like everything is Mike's fault or something. I forgot yeah. which episode that was. So I'll just like it's like a running joke that I'll just like casually throw that in there for no reason and no context. It's just blame Mike. We're gonna get into that in this episode. We'll clear that up. Yeah. Exactly. All her childhood traumas, basically. So yeah, we're giving Michael his own recording to be able to answer all of those points. At the end of this, people are gonna be like, oh, you know what? It actually was all Mike's fault. <laughs> Dang, she was right. <laughs> well, first, we, well, I guess it's second now, but we want to congratulate Michael for getting engaged. Yes. Thank you. Congratulations. Thank How you. exciting. Yes. Yeah. Congratulations to my brother and his fiance, Sylvia. Yay. Yay. Yep, yeah. That's still weird. Fiance. That's still weird. Right. Fiance. I know. Yeah. So, as yeah. of us recording, he literally popped the question last Sunday, <laughs> last week. <laughs> yeah. So it's very recent. Do you feel like things are different at all? Honestly, no. <laughs> <laughs> I was a wreck going into it. I was super nervous. She like picked up right away my change in behavior. <laughs> really? Yeah. She called me out on it. Wait, so walk us through it. So like she could like start to sense that you were acting a little like strange or nervous. Yeah, yeah. Oh. She called it mindlessness. Like I had some... <laughs> Were you just like not really quite there when she's talking to you? <laughs> yeah, I just wasn't there. I'm usually not there, but it was more so... I was going to say... <laughs> 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 well, you were just distracted a lot, obviously. I was I was distracted. I just felt it was just a lot to go through. Mm -hmm. yeah. Did you like prepare everything that you were going to say ahead of time, like speech? Because I <laughs> yeah. feel like a lot of my guy friends, when they've had to propose, they'll like write everything out. But then when the moment comes, they're just so nervous that they just completely go off script. Yeah, yeah, totally. I, <laughs> You're like, yep, yeah. that's pretty much it. Christine was like, write it down. Make sure you write it down. And I was like, all mm -hmm. right, you know what? I'll take a stab at this and then... I wrote everything on Word and then I didn't save it. And then my computer crashed and it, <gasps> oh, it, no. it didn't recover. I like how that's what you use to justify not continuing to rewrite it. What? I actually did. I actually did it though. Yeah. And then I was too lazy to rewrite yeah. it. But <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I, I got the general yeah. gist of it. So like, that is my brother in a nutshell. <laughs> He's just someone that's just like, no, nah, it's cool. I think I got it. And then he'll not necessarily wing it, but he'll just do the best he can at the situation. And usually it turns out really well. Usually it turns out great. <laughs> Except so... for this time where... What? <laughs> no, okay. No, it did. She said yes. So, so... yeah, she said yes. <laughs> so that was the end goal. <laughs> just going through a proposal for anyone who's listening, whoever is proposing. On that day, you're just worried about getting to the next step. You're just like, I got to get her here at this time. Then we got to do this. You know, then I got to distract her here. And you're just worried about the next step until the next step is the actual proposal. And then you're like, oh, crap. I am, it's happening. I, I am it. not ready for this at all. Yeah, dude. I knew it because leading up to it, he had been planning it for about a month. And then I kept telling him, just focus on what you're going to say because everything else that you're planning, it'll just fall into place. Mm -hmm. The ultimate goal is for you to propose the way that you want to propose, right? What you want to say. Yeah. His proposal lasted for less than a minute. Dude, that's <laughs> not even that bad. That's not bad. Like, I'm, oh, wait. 
Walk us through it. Walk us through. Okay, so this is the reason why. All right, so I proposed in her backyard. I told everyone that was there. So we had like family in the backyard, and I told everyone, "Hey, this is your hiding spot. I'm gonna go propose to her like by this tree. I want you guys to stay over there because I want my privacy with her. Like when it's actually happening, we're walking up." Like the entire family just like <laughs> rushes towards us and they're like five feet away. And I'm like, oh my God. Like there's like a photo where I, I actually look scared. <laughs> Bombarded. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm one trying to remember what I wrote down in that deleted word file. But then I'm, uh, <laughs> but I'm also trying to whisper because I don't want like everyone to hear. So <laughs> I mean, apparently it went well. I also opened the ring box upside down. <laughs> Did it fall out? No, it didn't, no. It didn't fall out. It didn't fall out. Oh, but, thank oh my gosh. God. Sylvia caught it. Oh, okay. Was she happy? She was. That's good. She was very happy, yeah. And that's oh. all. That's worth it at the end. Yeah. We're saying the entire time they've been together, that moment, <laughs> no one's ever seen her as happy as she was until that moment. I was like, yeah. what does that say about your relationship? <laughs> yeah. What does that say about me? <laughs> yeah. What does that say about you? No, we're so happy. I have a sister. I have another sister because Jack's younger sister, Lucy. Mm, yeah. So, so excited. Welcome to the family, Sylvia. No take backsee. You can't back out. Can't give this back. It's it. <laughs> <laughs> this will probably lead into our topic today. But as an older sister watching that moment, because I was one of the family members that bum rushed my brother while he's proposing. <laughs> like just witnessing She's the that. one with like the IGTV <laughs> like in his face. That, that, it was like the look on her face. It's just like so excited, <laughs> terrifying. It's, it's terrifying to see my sister happy for me. Yeah. <laughs> Bizarre, huh? I was telling my dad afterwards because he wasn't there, but I was like, oh, you know, I got teary eyed because it's just, Aww. yeah, it's surreal to watch your younger sibling who you've seen as a baby mm-hmm. and now, like, yes, I'll give it to you, a grown ass man, man, you know, and <laughs> moving on to the next chapter of your life with, you know, your future wife. And that moment was really special to witness. Almost in a sense, when she said yes, it's kind of like he crossed over to the other side of becoming a real man mm. now, becoming Ooh. someone's husband, you know. Damn. Mm. Which perfectly leads into our topic for today, a topic that we have been talking about wanting to do for a long time now, which is siblings versus only child. So as you know, Christine has her brother, Mike. And as you guys know, I am an only child. And I think that growing up for me, like I never really thought about the differences that kind of entail with having a sibling versus being an only child. But I think that the more Christine and I talked about and the more she would talk about her brother, I was like, oh, wow, actually, it's a completely different different experience growing up, you know, like having someone there, whether you're the older sibling like Christine or the younger sibling like Mike or being an only child like me. I think that when it gets to the core of it, it really affects the way that you develop, whether or not you have a companion or you have to figure things out on your own. This is just a topic that we really wanted to dive into because I feel like I have a lot of questions for people who have siblings and a lot of people also have questions for people who are only children. Like, why do you guys talk to yourselves all the time? (laughs) Oh, Okay. All right. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll I, I, I wasn't thinking about <laughs> we'll that. Get into that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're, uh, we're going to get All into right. that today. <laughs> yeah. I think it's a fun episode to do to see if the stereotypes are true as in like, you know, being the youngest, are you the most spoiled versus... I guess if you're only child, you talk to yourself, <laughs> you know, and just seeing if those are true and how that has shaped us as people and grown adults now. Mm-hmm. So why don't we start with Michael? Like Regina said, it was just me and Mike. So he is the younger sibling. Mm-hmm. So Mike, what was it like growing up as a younger sibling and being the youngest family member of our immediate family of four? <laughs> Did you like it? You didn't like it? Why or why not? Um, I liked it. <laughs> I think it was definitely beneficial to have an older sibling for me. Mm. You know, I I always felt like, one, I'm pretty much born with like a companion, you know? So like Christine had to have five years by herself with with my parents. I mean, she'll probably get into that (laughs) later on. Or she, I mean, she has gone into that and how that's kind of affected her. But, you know, with me, I always had my sister. Mm. It was easier just to go through life that way. You know, it was easier just to see how life would be. And, you know, even though we're very different people, we like different things and, you know, we're good at different things. 
from the standpoint of the environment of growing up with our parents, you know, it was always nice to have a companion like that. Mm, definitely. But yeah, but also, I mean, just being the youngest, it was like, I want to say that I like got away with more. You know, I would just say that I was definitely less of a troublemaker than Christine. <laughs> so I think that's like the common misconception, which is like, oh, Mike got to do whatever he wanted or he got right. more freedom. It was just because I was like a better child for them. So they were like, entrusted me more. <laughs> you know what? All of that is null and void unless you can give us specific examples. Of what? <laughs> uh, oh, of, of me, of being, me of, being more of a troublemaker. I'm, dude, you you are for sure more of a troublemaker. I don't even, I don't even have to give examples. When did the troublemaking start? <laughs> like, did it start at a young age or was it like later? The troublemaking started like, I would say probably around like middle school mm. for Christine. Christine was in middle school. I was in elementary school. Like, yeah, we're five years apart. So there was like a golden age where Christine wasn't old enough to be embarrassed to hang out with me and play with me. Oh. So that was, oh. that was like when she was she was like in elementary school and I was like three and she was like eight. Yeah, like kindergarten. Yeah, so yeah. we would like mm-hmm. play together and we would play like cashier. Oh my God, I played that a lot with my friends too. <laughs> yeah. That was really fun. <laughs> Your imaginary friends? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We play cashier. We would ride our bikes around the neighborhood. We would ride bikes. She taught me how to ride a bike. Mm. We would like collect ants. What? What? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, we... yeah, we would get like, we would have like those paper Dixie cups and then we would put sugar cubes in them. You don't remember that, Christine? No, these oh. are your memories. And then I don't remember. And I remember us swimming. I remember us reading books outside or we had a game room which was yeah. all of our games and that's where we spent a lot of our time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I remember useless crap. So <laughs> so then then she started like becoming a teenager and st- not, not she wouldn't hang out, out with, with me. Right. And then I would have to like find ways to hang out with myself. Oh. <laughs> I was like really in a Ninja Turtles. So did you also start talking to yourself during that time? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I did. So like I feel like I could relate to you on that. <laughs> So I would like play in the backyard. That was when I started getting into basketball because like you could play basketball by yourself. Mm-hmm. Christine, she would then come back home from hanging out with her friends and the good big sister that she was, she would see me in the backyard, like, you know, swinging a stick, <laughs> pretending I'm Donatello. She wouldn't come out and play with me. She just recorded me and then showed it to other people and just told people how much of a loser her brother was. <laughs> I feel like this episode is just like Mike reliving his childhood trauma of having Christine as an older sister. Oh, I mean, I'll go into that because I think I mentioned before growing up, man, you know, Michael was like the golden child in the sense of he was the boy. He's so good and mm. he's so freaking cute. And I, of course, got jealous. I think I was excited to have a baby brother when they first told me. Mm-hmm. Then I saw how much attention he got. And of course, and I was just like, screw this kid. So then, <laughs> so then the only way I could take it out or quote unquote punish my parents for it, because I couldn't as a kid go against my parents. So I would just take it out on my brother. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you would bully him basically. <laughs> I wouldn't say it was bullying as far as that, but I definitely wasn't nice to him. Mm. It really was one of those, like I did it under the table when my parents weren't looking. But Michael was the type of brother, the younger sibling that would never tell on me mm. because he really just wanted he really, to be your yeah, friend exactly <laughs> he didn't want to play ninja turtles by himself outside <laughs> I, I had no other choice so christine do you remember the years like when you were an only child before mike came into the picture i don't you don't i don't remember oh. it was harder because like my mom knowing what i know now about what she was going through before michael came along i don't remember mm-hmm. the trauma as much she had hyperthyroidism so it really affected her whole mood her whole mental state she just had me my dad was working all the time so she said that yeah she often got really really upset really sad she ran away a couple of times so I'm sure (laughs) me being a baby at that time my dad would tell me that he would actually try to like feed me formula milk Mm -hmm. because my mom ran away I'm sure that might have played some part into feeling I don't know growing up that way so Mm. to me if you were to ask me before, Michael, that, yeah, it was a lot of attention and all of that. But maybe looking back, reality wasn't necessarily like that. Mm. I think once we got Michael, it was... Once we picked him up at the pet store and brought him home. Yeah. 
he wasn't the one that I wanted, but yeah, no. I'm like the one off in the corner. Yeah. He was the runt. <laughs> we really brought our family so much joy. Mm. I remember that. Oh, that's sweet. Yeah. So then let's go into some of the assumptions of being the youngest sibling. Mm-hmm. And I know you said that you didn't necessarily think that you got away with more. Mm-hmm. Do you think not even just growing up, but then as a boy? Yeah. Thinking about it now when I bring it up that like, oh, you got to stay over at your friend's places, right? Yeah. And you got to stay out late. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You never had to. <laughs> Did mom and dad ever give you crap about that? No, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't see the thing is, I don't know if it's because I'm younger mm. or because I'm a boy. I think it's more so because I'm a boy. Because mm-hmm. I think if I was older than you, they would probably still be like more lenient with me. I definitely would get yelled and blamed at more, but I think because I'm a boy, I get away with a lot more mm. in terms of just like being free to do what I want without them like having to worry about my safety. Right, right. You know? Yeah. That makes sense. I think it's a probably a combination of both being a boy yeah. and being the younger one. They were just probably so exhausted by me that they were just like, you know what? <laughs> do whatever you want. I don't care anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it won't be as bad as Christine. <laughs> do you feel that this assumption that parents are less involved <laughs> When it gets to like the second or third child, did you feel mom and dad were less involved in your life as compared to mine? In a sense, yeah. I mean, I think they were very hard on you in terms of like making you into the model Asian kid from Arcadia, you know? And for me, it's not that they didn't try to enforce those things on me as well, but I think they were much easier letting that go. So like, for example, like violin. <laughs> I just saw like Christine. Like- you guys can't see it right now, but Christine's... <laughs> Just had a her face completely changed as soon as I said that word. So her soul left her body for a moment. Yeah, I, that's like a trigger trigger word for her is uh, violin. Mm. I'll just say it to her from time to time just to make her uncomfortable. But, but violin, like Christine was, I don't know if you guys know this, but Christine was really really good at violin when she was like elementary school, middle school, and she was when she was at first staff middle school. She got first chair. Which is like, I had no idea what that meant, but our parents were so proud of her for that. Apparently, it's just, you're in the front. (laughs) You're you're in the front. You're like, (laughs) I I guess you're the best, but you're just in the front. That's like what every Asian parent wants, you know? And then I think Christine, over time, my mom pushed her so hard that she just, she grew to hate that instrument. It like traumatized her in a sense. Mm. And then with me, I don't know if it's because our mom saw what that did, not only to Christine, but just to their relationship that I had to play violin too, but I could just do it for a year and be like, I don't want to do this no more. And then she'd be okay with it. You know? So like, Mm. it was, it was more so like she was involved in my life, but they were more okay with me walking away from things and going against what they originally thought I should do. Mm. Do you think that this is like a gender thing or do you think it's like the birth order? The fact that Christine is older, or the fact that Christine's a girl, because this is just something that I've noticed, too. And I've actually talked to my parents about this. I've noticed that with a lot of like Taiwanese families, there's a much more of an emphasis on gender. Mm. And I don't know if that's like across the board for like all Chinese families. Like, I think that I remember talking to Christine and like some of my other Taiwanese friends about how their parents like put this very like dreamy ideal of their golden grandson. Wait, are you saying that because Michael's a boy that they would want him to be born? the golden child versus me being a girl like the expectations that they wanted you to be like this girl who knew how to do all these things and like could take care of her household and be a good wife and be a good daughter and stuff like that oh no i don't think that was as much as say academically or extracurricular i think Mm -hmm. the golden child was because i was the first child Mm -hmm. and my mom said this recently. She was like, oh, she realized that the reason why she pushed me so hard was because she wanted something to brag about. That was mm. how she was being judged as a mother, also as a daughter-in-law, since mm. our grandma is like, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> our grandma is the matriarch. That's the Chen family thing is to bring bragging rights back home mm. to grandma, you know, to ama. I see. Yeah. So then for you, Mike, I don't specifically remember this, but did mom and dad ever really get mad at you or punish you because you didn't get as good of grades that they wanted? Or, you know, every Asian has that memory of their parents yelling at them because they don't, they can't add like what four plus four is. Did you ever have that? 
Yeah. Yeah, I mean, mom and dad were still hard on me academically. Even though they let me go out, they would still get very upset at me if they felt like I was going out too much and not studying or doing something I should be doing. Mm. I still definitely got that from them. Even I had graduated from college and I was like into my career for a good like two, three years. Our dad would still drop these like, you know, it's never too late to get your prereqs in med and go to med school and stuff. And I was like, Regina knows. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You're like, that ship has long sailed. Yeah. I'm like, I'm really trying to make a career right now. You know, so it's still those expectations. I think parents want what's best for their children and what they think is best for their children. And it doesn't matter if you're first, second, or they're going to try to make that happen for you. Mm. Right. Christine, from your perspective, did you feel like Mike got away with more stuff? (laughs) (laughs) I think growing up because I was so jealous of him and that was the only filter that I saw my brother in Mm. I always felt that he got away with everything it was I was like oh Michael's walking let's praise him for that (laughs) (laughs) oh my god for years Oh my god. Look at Micah, how cute he is. You guys don't know. I'm an amazing walker, though. So, (laughs) the best, the cream of the crop. Yeah. (laughs) And watching you flash back to me, and I just like was still crawling on the floor. Yeah, she's tripping over herself. Because, like, five years is a pretty big age gap. So, like, I can see that, you know, when you're, I don't know, what age do you start walking? Like, one, one and a half. And, like, Christine's like six or seven, right? She's like, I've been walking for years. Like, I can do all these other things. And also, what I realized too, looking back on old family videos, Mm -hmm. is that there's also an age gap where, I don't know if you guys ever reached this point, but probably like the end of elementary school beginning of middle school when you start to become very awkward and self-aware of yourself Mm. like that definitely was captured on film where i look back at myself i'm like oh my god like i was so weird and awkward (laughs) on camera but my brother was entering the stage where he was just like la 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 i'm like cute cute and like confident yeah Yeah. Mm. so it captured that the lens that i saw life in at that point where i was like Mm. even when it comes to academics or yeah violin I felt like I always got yelled at to have to go practice violin while Michael got a, I don't know, like play Ninja Turtles in the back (laughs) or go talk to himself in the back. And that was my perspective. But obviously now Mm. I see it in like, oh, how sad. (laughs) But But it took like 20 years for this empathy to show. (laughs) I know. In more of a grown up state of, I'd say, as a woman now looking back, the whole thing of did Michael get away with more the answer would be more so in what we talked about, how like him being a boy, he could sleep over whenever, go on trips. And at least from my perspective, never get shit about it. Like my parents never let me do that. Mm. It got to a point where my rebellious self forced that upon them. Mm. I was like, well, you know, I'm over this. So I'm going to go, I'm just going to run away and do whatever the hell I want. Mm. So I think that played a lot into me being an older sibling and feeling like the climax of everything probably led to a lot of the rebellious side of me. I didn't Mm -hmm. want, and I can still say this, as an older sister, what haunted me for a long time until I did the inner work was like, I never asked to be an older sister. I never asked to have a younger sibling. And I felt that role was really thrusted upon me, especially as an Asian, because there's that expectation from your parents that you're almost like a second parent in that sense. Mm -hmm. And I remember at a young age, my mom would constantly be like, oh, Michael, you come to Michael, you know, which is like, oh, you have to go look after your brother yeah. because she would take us to a lot of her church <laughs> like meetings and stuff. And then mm-hmm. we would go to random churches that we never knew and be thrown into this group of kids that we don't know, strangers, essentially. And then my mom would be like, look after your brother. And I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but then I also had a sense of responsibility that like Michael's safety was completely up to me. Mm. That was at a young age, a very burdensome, almost overwhelming sense of responsibility because I was always afraid. Mm. I was always afraid Mm. that I don't know, something would happen to him and Mm -hmm. in that sense, yes I loved my brother when I was young in that sense because I knew I wanted to protect him but I didn't Mm -hmm. feel like I was qualified to. Mm. Like even though I don't have siblings, I've always usually typically been like the youngest in a lot of like scenarios and like Mike, I actually really like that. I like being the youngest but I remember I have a cousin who's like three years younger than me and I can kind of sense that too where my dad would be like, oh you need to like go take care of her. She like looks up to you. Like you need to be the older. It's and I was just like, what? 
like, I did not sign up for this. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. and I, so I can see how that can be not burdensome, but it's just like overwhelming, especially yeah. as like a young kid when you're still trying to figure things out to be like, oh my God, now I'm responsible for helping this other kid like learn things and kind of help them grow up, I guess. So yeah, in a sense, it's kind of like being a, another parent almost. Yeah. And then my mom would constantly always say like, you know, you're the example for your brother. Mm. <laughs> oh, she lived to <laughs> to eat those words, you know. Yeah. When it, whenever I would get in trouble, like Christine would get dragged into it. <laughs> and then we both get yelled at. And then we both get yelled at because we didn't believe in Jesus enough. <laughs> it's always a line of thinking. That's like our mom's signature thing is to no matter what, like if you're getting yelled at because you're not taking out the trash or because you got bad grades, she's always find some way to loop God into it. <laughs> <laughs> she's still to this day. She's much better about it now. <laughs> Even as a grown adult, Michael would tell me like, this is like when we both graduated from college and Mike would come home to visit and then I'm not there. And my brother would text me and just be like, dude, just got in a fight with mom. And <laughs> she brought you up. Because, like, she would be mad at Michael, but then she would bring me into it. And I'm not even in the room. You know? I'm not even there. I have nothing to do with the situation. And she'd always be like, Nimanyanko, which is you two. You two are like this. Whatever it's Christine, it's never you two. It's always just Christine. It's, it's never yes. like Christine and Michael. But you know what? I'll speak up for my mom. Like, I gave her every reason to do that. The crap I put her through, mm-hmm. I get it. Regina here. Since I've been staying at home a lot more this year, I have also been spending a lot of time by myself. Don't get me wrong, I love some alone time, but naturally I'm still an extroverted person and love spending time with others, even if it's in silence. I've noticed that when I spend a lot of time alone, I have the tendency to get in my head and create a downward spiral of negativity. That's why I'm so grateful to have my bi-monthly sessions with my BetterHelp counselor. She has helped me a ton in learning to separate my negative inner thoughts from who I actually am and who I want to be. She gives me encouragement and teaches me to work through my emotions in a healthy manner while also giving me the steps to work towards building a better relationship with myself. We can all be our own worst critics, so being able to talk it out helps immensely. The process to get started is simple. Head to betterhelp.com pip to take a short quiz to assess your needs. You will be paired with a licensed professional within 24 hours. If you've been thinking about getting therapy, BetterHelp is a wonderful platform that provides affordable care worldwide from the comfort of your own home. We want you to start living a happier, healthier life today. So be sure to visit betterhelp.com pip to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's betterhelp.com slash pip, P-I-P. Take care of yourselves and stay healthy, Pip Fam, from the inside out. So why don't we switch gears and Regina, tell us what it was like (laughs) growing up as an only child. Mm -hmm. Did you like it? Did you not like it? I liked it. I think that even to this day, like hearing both of you being like, oh, mom and dad, not like my mom and dad, because I feel like I just have never experienced what that's like, you know? Mm -hmm. So like even listening to that is like kind of weird to me. But I think growing up as an only child, I think I was pretty okay with it. I think the concept of a sibling was and still is so foreign to me that it never seemed like, what if you just had another person who had the same parents (laughs) as you, like grew up with you in your own house? Yeah. And I think my parents did a really, really good job where they always made sure that I wasn't alone in the sense that like one of my best friends growing up, Camille, like I saw her pretty much every weekend. So even though I might be alone, like on the weekdays, I always had a friend when we went to like dim sum, like it was never just me sitting there by myself where I know a lot of like only children, if their parents go out to dim sum with their friends, they're like the only children sitting there. Like I didn't have that. And if we were like to go on trips, I always had a friend, which was really 
really nice. But now looking back at growing up as an only child, Christine like linked a couple of articles in our outline and it's like, oh my God, I relate to that so much. Like there's a lot that was like, oh, well, you're like fiercely independent and, you know, you learn to be alone and like being alone doesn't really bother me actually, because like I've just been alone my whole life and it's something that I've like grown accustomed to. But there's also a lot of other things like I had to mature a lot quicker because I'm just surrounded by adults all the time. I grew up, you know, with just my parents and my two grandmothers at home. So when I would talk to my friends who have siblings, especially if they have three siblings, they'll be like, oh, well, we outnumber the parents. So we obviously always got our way. I was like, oh man, I had to like learn to negotiate at a very young age to be like, well, this is why I want to go to Chuck E. Cheese. (laughs) You know, like I was the only one who wanted to go. And there are a lot of things about being an only child that were great. And now looking back, like I do wish that I had a sibling to like go through life with. I think that it's becoming more apparent to me, especially now as an adult, where it's like, oh, if anything were to happen to my parents, it's on me. And that's like a responsibility that I was able to see when my parents were going through that with my grandparents, they had siblings they could rely on. And they had siblings that were like, hey, let's, you know, tag team this. And I think that when that day does come, each of the siblings will know what that pain is towards those parents versus for me, like, you know, yes, I have cousins and I have best friends who, you know, spend a lot of time with my parents. At the end of the day, they're just my parents. Mm -hmm. And so I think that that is a responsibility that I've really kind of had to step into and sometimes unwillingly, but it's there. And I think as I started to get into like high school, college, I think my parents were always afraid. Oh my gosh, if anything were to happen to us, like Regina's just on her own. And so they'll like randomly slip into a conversation. Like I'll come home from a trip or something and they'll be like, Hey, our life insurance is blah, 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 blah. Mm. Or like, Hey, if you need this, it's in, you know, like they'll just like throw these like really heavy subjects on me, like very lightly and also like very nonchalantly. But it is something that I have to keep in the back of my mind, like keeping track of just my parents' things, you know, but that only came later. I think growing up, I was pretty okay with growing up as an only child, but I also kind of felt like my grandmas (laughs) were like my siblings because they also took up some of my parents' time. (laughs) Like it was never just me and my parents. Mm -hmm. Because I know your relationship with your parents obviously has have changed and evolved, but do you feel growing up as a kid that Mm -hmm. your parents were almost like your peers where they were like authoritative figures? They were authoritative figures. Like, I don't think that I saw them as like peers until like later in college. I remember telling my grandma this where I was like, wow, I have been yelled at by my parents in a long time. She was like, well, that's because you're an adult now. And I was like, oh, I think that that didn't occur to me until like later in college. I would say that the peer relationship really solidified in probably the last like 10 years more so. Mm -hmm. But I think that there were definitely a lot of times when I was younger where my mom would like try to be my peer. But I'm like, mom, you don't understand, you know, (laughs) and like I would just like go to my friends about it. Now growing up as an only child and now being an adult as an only child, I definitely have a much clearer understanding of my parents as individuals rather than like just parents and like authoritative figures. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that's interesting to hear about it for you going alone because I've thought about that more recently because I've mentioned before some of the family stuff that we've been through that I was like, dude, what do I do without my brother? Because mm. in those moments where you said like, oh, your parents just nonchalantly, oh yeah, here's my will. By the way, <laughs> yeah. anything happens, yeah. right? Me and my mm. brother have separate moments of that, mm. depending on who's good with my dad. <laughs> so, <laughs> like, so then I can only imagine how heavy that might be because it's essentially, yes, you grew up with your grandparents there as well, but it's a unit of three, Mm -hmm. your parents Mm -hmm. and you. So to have to be reminded of what will come, I know you tapped Mm -hmm. into that, but then how does that make you feel now as like an only child, as a grown adult, as a woman that's Mm going to be in your thirties? It sucks. I do think that it sucks. Like in that way where it's like, wow, I am going to have to kind of bear the responsibility of this. And it's going to suck so much more because I don't have someone to lean on in that way. 
as of right now, honestly, I feel so grateful because I think that especially during this pandemic, I'm just realizing like how fragile our lives are and how easy it is to have everything just taken away from you so quickly. So like to have my parents here today and like healthy, you know, no major problems up until now, I'm like very, very grateful for that. But I don't think that I realized that until I got older. Mm -hmm. But like, I also have a lot of friends who are only children. So that's also another reason why like it never felt weird to me to be an only child because like so many of my friends are as well. But I think that like even their parents will think ahead and be like, oh, I have a friend whose parents don't fly together. Like they always fly separately just in case anything ever happens to one of them. It's not like both of them are gone, just leaving her by herself. So it's like, those are things that I don't think that people who have siblings will really think about, right? Like you're just kind of like, oh, if anything were to happen to either of your parents, like you guys still have each other. And I think that that's something that my parents always thought about. And actually in one of the articles I was reading about like an only child, the girl, she was talking about how she's in her thirties and there's like this pressure to settle down. And I think that the pressure for me to settle down isn't necessarily to be like, oh, we really want you to have a husband and have kids right away. It's more so like, so that I have someone that I can rely on Mm -hmm. and like have someone be there for me. Cause like, obviously I have friends and things like that who are there for me, but it's different to have different. Yeah. And then when I read that, I was like, Oh my God, that's me. (laughs) Like, you know, I was always joking. I'm like, Oh guys are so complicated. Like, I'm just going to do my own thing. She's like, no, no, no. But like, you need someone to take care of you. Like, should anything happen to us? And Mm -hmm. you know, when it comes to conversations about wills or end of life care, even, which has been a topic in my household, I told my parents, I was like, can you please just make it very, very clear what you guys want? It's Mm. a very, very hard, not burden, but it's just like, it's going to be a very hard decision for me if you tell me to make it on my own you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. This is a good point to jump into. Like now as grownups, <laughs> well, I use that term loosely, but as adults, <laughs> what were some of the takeaways or lessons that you learned being the role that you were in your family that has shaped you into the person that you are now? And what you just shared, Regina, is mm-hmm. like, essentially you're the sole heir <laughs> to the family. Mm-hmm. And that's a big role and responsibility to take on. Mm-hmm. I'm going to throw this question at Michael. So mm-hmm. what are some takeaways for you? As being the youngest sibling, like how's that shaped me? Yeah, as a, a person now, as an adult. I mean, I think in both good and bad, you know, I, I think being the youngest sibling, I observed a lot. You know, even though Christine said that when I was born, I was more so in the forefront. But I would say that as I was in elementary school, you know, there was a lot of fighting that happened in the family. Mm-hmm. And it was fighting that happened between Christine and my parents and Christine was, as she mentioned earlier, she was going through her rebellious phase. And for me as a younger sibling, I, one, don't really understand, like, what's going on, Mm. you know, Mm. but I'm, like, doing my homework, you know. (laughs) I'm just trying to live my life. (laughs) (laughs) I'm doing my homework, and then Christine will be finding my parents. I would also say the main difference between, like, how Christine interacts with my parents and I interact with my parents is that I don't really talk back. So, (laughs) if they tell me something, like... I will say what I think is right, Mm -hmm. but if they say something again to me, like it won't go further than that. Mm. With Christine, Christine knows how to like push it, (laughs) like she'll she'll cross the line, you know? Mm. And so will my parents too. I'm not going to put that all on her. Like my parents will Mm. as well. And as the younger sibling, I would see this happening to Christine and I would see how like intense and heavy the fighting will get and out of control the fighting will get. And, you know, I would feel the need to get involved as well, you know, because mm. just like Christine's protective over me, I'm very protective over Christine and, and my mom, you know. So mm-hmm. how that shaped me as an adult today is that I'm a very cautious person. I'm the type of guy that likes to really take his time with decisions and really try to make sure that I have all the information that I have before I say. I take a while to say things too, because I want to say them a certain way. I want to say them in a way that's not going to offend anyone. And Mm. I think that I get a lot of that from observing just the impact and the result of being harsh. I would say that I'm definitely a very non-confrontational person. Mm. I like to keep things light. And I don't know when I found this out, but I I figured out that if I were to make people laugh, if I could make, you know, my family laugh, then it wouldn't be as hard. At least for that moment, it wouldn't be as hard. I definitely take that into myself as an adult too. Like I always try to make people laugh, you know, and I always Mm -hmm. try to like make light of situations 
because I think for me, that's how I cope with the environment that I was observing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that came from the fact that you saw Christine and your parents fighting so much and you're like, oh, I want to avoid that or like I need to go fix that? Yeah, yeah. The thing is that Christine and I, we have a lot of inside jokes too. Like we joke around a lot mm-hmm. and we're able to make fun of each other a lot too. I'm not sure if you could tell, but yeah, we, we make fun <laughs> of each other a lot. So I think it was just that like, I think one, yeah, there's probably a part of it that was like, you know what, at least for now, if everyone is laughing, at least life is a little better just right now. Mm. Those are habits that I sort of developed that I figured out, hey, you know, if things are intense and it's also to a point where it could be detrimental, sometimes you got to fight out the issue. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you got to like stay there and be in an uncomfortable situation because that's how you communicate and get over things. Those are definitely lessons that I needed to learn when I became an adult because I would just avoid things Mm -hmm. and I would avoid things because Mm. it would just remind me of the time when I was a kid and I couldn't do anything about it. The only thing that I could do was just make people laugh. Mm -hmm. So there were definitely a lot of things that I needed to unlearn from my childhood too. Yeah, I was going to bring up the fact that my brother's relationship with my parents as an adult is definitely one of you can see the result of how he was with them growing up. Like he's very respectful for them. He'll show up when he should. He does all the right things as their son, but his heart's not really in it. You can see how he has protected himself in the way that he won't divulge. I will say before now he's been working on that, but before he wouldn't divulge a lot of personal feelings because I mean, Mm -hmm. you easily get dismissed. And I think that's from my observation, being the second or a younger child, it's easier for the parents to just be like, I, you know, especially when Mm -hmm. Michael's known to be as like the jokester Mm -hmm. and he doesn't share his feelings that often. And Mm -hmm. also since he doesn't communicate, obviously as (laughs) recklessly as I do, my mom actually reads into a lot of situations about me. Like she, she fills in the gaps or assumes a lot of things about my brother and then mm. she's actually really far off about all those assumptions <laughs> but yeah I, I could see how that has affected his relationship with like my parents that he consciously now we talk about this because we're actually I've said this before that you know Michael's like my best friend that he has to take the active steps now to try to remedy or better that relationship with my parents because we both realize mm-hmm. that our parents are our parents. I think, Regina, you and I talk about it all the time, right? It's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. can't expect to change your parents, but if you want to improve the relationship with your parents, there's a lot of things that you have to self-reflect on. Mm-hmm. It's going to bring up the fact that the last fight that me and my brother had mm-hmm. was actually right after my depression period or in the midst of it. Mike and I rarely fight. I can actually count on my hand the number of times in our whole lifetime that we actually fought purely because Michael doesn't express his feelings <laughs> not because I'm not an asshole <laughs> she's, she's just trying to pick a fight with me I'll purposely do it Michael just does not engage he knows he's just like nah it's cool he just walks whatever away. yeah and he knows that pisses me off even more but yeah Mike is the type of person where he is like Regina in that you just keep everything inside mm-hmm. and it just keeps building and building. And then I, on the other hand, am in their lives going like, well, what about this? What about this? And you should do this. And I'm like, yeah, I'm like an older sister, like kind of bossy. So then you guys will keep your feelings <laughs> just buried inside because you guys are avoiding confrontation because you know that I'm the type of person that's not afraid of confrontation. And with my brother, that's exponentially so because he's seen the consequences of that type of reckless communication and excessive type of feelings. So in that, our last fight as grown adults, like it got to that point where he just couldn't take it anymore. And that was because during my depression period, after I quit Wang Fu, I was estranged from my dad. So I stopped going home and I just ignored everything. And the responsibility of taking care of the family and all the burdens of it just fell on my brother. And I brought this up to my brother too. I was like, oh, not to be like, haha, now you know how it feels like, but it's like, oh, having that responsibility of now I have to kind of step in and try to take care of the family is the feeling that I feel like I always had in the back of my head. Even during my rebellious years, I felt guilt because I wasn't doing that. And that's also Mm -hmm. something added to being an older sister that or older sibling You're the oldest one. You should know. And in my family, both my dad and my mom are the youngest of their families. So it was also like my brother's the youngest, my parents the youngest. 
And in my own head growing up, I just felt like I need to grow up and be responsible and take care of the mm. family, even though my actions <laughs> didn't necessarily prove that. But yeah, my brother and I, from that fight, had to learn how to communicate with each other. And I would say that from that point on, because I actually had to sit down and we had to learn how to communicate differently. It was uncomfortable for him to be confronted with me going like, hey, let's sit down. Because he's the type of person that would just avoid. And when he gets to that point, and I think Regina is also like that too, like when you get to that point where you're so upset and it's really gotten to you, you're just like, you know what, screw this. I'm so pissed right now that I don't even want to go there. I don't even know if I want to resolve this with you. And then I, for both you guys, I was like, no, <laughs> let's talk about this when you guys are ready. Yeah. And then so I would say from then on, I know I'm already answering this question without you guys prompting me, but like what I've learned <laughs> as like, <laughs> what I learned as an adult of me being an older sister is that you know, the relationship that I want, whether with Michael or with my parents or with people around me, to be considerate of other people's feelings while being, well, I don't know how else to say this, but to be the protagonist in my own life. So if I want a better relationship with my brother, I'm not going to wait around for that to happen or for my brother to like, you know, start telling me how he feels or the being open about things. That actually has been a process. You know, me reaching out to him, sharing my own thoughts, as well as us like we'll talk to each other about what we learned in each of our respective therapy sessions, you know, and also connect on the traumas from our childhood or even now from our parents. I lean on my brother a lot. I depend on my brother a lot. And I feel like it's such a, especially hearing what Regina has said, it's like, it is such a blessing that I can say that. And I, I agree. I'm not, I don't, <laughs> I don't mean to say this to be like, haha, Regina, you don't have this. But it's more so that like, you know, there is something where I can just give my brother a look across the table when mom's saying something and he knows exactly what I'm thinking at the time. Or if we're dealing with a family situation, he knows instantly what I'm referring to when I bring up this tone or even us talking about like what we've learned about in, in therapy of how to open up and be better people. So I think that connection is something with a sibling that I don't think there is something very special when it's like blood. And I realize that mm -hmm. you do have to continuously work on that as we evolve and grow in our relationships and grow up. So now that we're mm -hmm. Michael's in his early 30s, I'm in my mid 30s, you know, it's like a whole different relationship than obviously when we were growing up, but still with the same familiar tones. Mm -hmm. And I think there's that history, right, that you can just it's comforting to know that you have someone in your life that's like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's nice because we know each other's trigger points too. So you'll call me and you'll say something that's angering you about <laughs> dad. You know, I'll, I don't know. I don't know exactly the pressure point that that is focused on, you know, that that is actually hurting. And it, yes, it has something to do mm -hmm. with dad, but it's also like, hey, this is something that you know that you have a trigger point with. And mm -hmm. I understand that. And you just need to understand that, slow down, and I'm just here for you, you know? And I think that's sort of, I would say at least from our fight, that was what we kind of learned about each other, which was our trigger points. And we mm -hmm. knew how to understand how that affected the other. And also to help care for each other better when those trigger points were, were hit. Mm. Right, yeah. right. We learned how to be more clear with mm. what we needed from each other, which is also something that Regina and I have learned in our friendship, right? Because especially when you mm -hmm. have a history, mm -hmm. so much of it is easier just to coast on, well, I think that she knows. I think that, like, he mm -hmm. should know this. Yeah. Like, why is he mm -hmm. being like that again? But actually, mm -hmm. they don't know. Mm -hmm. And if anything, I think mm -hmm. for the people that are closest to you in your life, there is that respect and consideration to be clear in your communication because it gives them the opportunity to think about it or to address it so that you guys can move forward versus each of you guys in your own space, just assuming things about each other and just keeps yeah triggering each other. Mm -hmm, to mm -hmm. add on to that too is like, I think it helps so much that both me and my brother have done inner work or doing inner work. Like he has therapists and I mean, I have a therapist now, but even then with life coaching that I think it helps in being able to have that type of patience and understanding and self-perspective or self-reflection so that when we talk to each other, I think like my brother has helped me evolve as a person and even grow as a person mm -hmm. because obviously he knows mm -hmm. things about my history or just like you said, my trigger points that he can bring together as to like, well, now as we're older, how do we really mm -hmm. want to help the family? You know, how do we really want to mm -hmm. grow? How do you protect mm -hmm. and draw boundaries? And how can I help you do that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, there is almost like a tag team effort sometimes that mm -hmm. helps a lot. So Regina, how about you? What has been your takeaway of being an only child and how that has affected you as a grown adult. 
it's kind of like what you guys say. Like, it's just our experiences growing up are such a big part of us that I think, you know, definitely being an only child has made me realize that I've always kind of been like a mini adult in my family. Like I was always the youngest, but I was always treated like, oh, you should step up and do these things. And I had to just take on a lot of that, like chores and things like that. I couldn't be like, hey, you go do the dishes. I'll Mm -hmm. go do this. You know, like they were just like, nope, it's just you. Like there's no one I can kind of pass the baton to. But I think that that allowed me to kind of step up into that role. Like I've always been told from even a very young age, especially even when I met Christine, like, oh, I was really mature for my age. And I think that I really like personified that because in a way, especially being an only child of immigrant parents, I felt like I had to live up to all of their expectations of what they wanted me to be Mm -hmm. and like what they hoped that their sacrifices would be made for. And it's actually kind of crazy because we were going through my baby book like last week and we found like these letters that my mom would write. And one of them was literally like, actually my dad wrote this one. He was like, oh, we come from a very like ordinary, normal family. We're just trying our best. Like at this point, my parents didn't know if they were going to get it back into medicine. They were working like restaurant jobs and things like that. And they're just like, our only hope is that our child can go back into medicine. Like that's literally (laughs) written in my baby book. And I like had to hold back from like crying because it's just like, there's so much pressure Like there's so much pressure that is put on me as the only child to like not mess up, to hold it together, like to be the kid that they can bring around and be like, oh, wow, this one person fulfills all of our hopes and dreams, you know? Mm. And I think that that's still something that I hold to this day, which is why, like, I think that because I've always had to learn to keep this composure, like that's just how I've learned to handle my emotions as well. And I also turn to humor as uh, <laughs> as a way coping to cope, mechanism. as a coping yeah. mechanism, because I learned that, yeah, like laughter and happiness, it ties the family in so much closer. And it's like, people like being around the funny person. They like being around the very happy person. And I remember growing up, my family members always used to call me which means like, <laughs> like the laughing woman, essentially, because I was just always like such a happy kid. And I think mm. that my parents wanted to give me this happy life and they have. But at the same time, like, I think that as I got older, I'm like, oh, wait, but like, I want to do this. And I have my own dreams and my own hopes and my own being, but I'm still trying to fulfill like what my parents want for me. And so I think that, you know, if you guys have listened to old episodes where we talk about this in the past, like I realize how much being an only child really played into that because I was just expected to be the very quiet, good academically, had at least a talent of a sport or an art or a a musical instrument you know, like anything that I think that I look at my other friends who have siblings, I'm like, oh, well, one's really good at this and one's really good at that. I kind of felt the pressure where it's like, oh, I need to be good at everything. And I think that at this age has gotten very overwhelming. And that's why I've always had a hard time distinguishing what I want versus what my parents want, because I didn't really have someone to talk out like what I wanted. If I wanted to talk that out, it was with my parents and it was what they wanted. So I think that this is kind of like a process of like unlearning that. And even in that, you know, I said earlier where it's like, oh, I learned to be really independent and on my own. That is something that I'm trying to unlearn. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with being independent. I'm actually super proud of that. But at the same time, it's like, you know, if in the future I want a relationship, I want, you know, this partnership, like I need need to learn to rely on other people versus being like, oh, well, I got it. I'll figure it out. Right. Right. You know, in getting to know you, I feel like, especially when you say that, not to say that you didn't feel the pressures from your parents and probably more so your mom, Mm -hmm. I think, than your dad, right? That a lot of it is the pressure that you put on yourself Mm -hmm. because of the assumptions that you had that what you did wouldn't be enough because you're not enough. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. It's because I think that getting to know your parents and what you've even shared on the podcast is like your parents actually not to say that they haven't been disappointed mm-hmm. and not to say that you guys haven't gotten into fights. Mm-hmm. I definitely know the stuff that you shared about <laughs> even now with your, you and your mom yeah. and stuff. Right. But they have continuously shown that they will support you 
regardless. Mm-hmm. I think for you, there's like a mental side of like, but I want to make them proud. Mm-hmm. Like they would be if I became a doctor. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like always trying to make up for that. Yes, yeah. yes. You definitely have the guilt and shame of because you know that that's not what you want mm-hmm. that for the rest of your life <laughs> because you're, if you're never going to become a doctor that you carry this guilt and shame as a I'm sorry mm-hmm. I'm sorry yeah. but I also think that your parents have also shown on their end maybe on the most perfect way that they are proud of you mm-hmm. they have been proud of you mm-hmm. because they know you as their daughter versus who they want you to be mm-hmm. I, I can understand why parents have that where the potential of who their kid can be mm. I get that I see that in Coco all the time I'm like you can push the button I know you can do this you can tell me you love me <laughs> yeah but when she sits when I tell her to sit I'm like oh my god I'm so proud of you you mm-hmm. know or she gives me kisses I think that's exactly what parents are especially as a grown adult mm-hmm. I think we're lucky enough that for Michael and I's parents and you and your parents mm-hmm. that our relationships with our parents have changed a lot since mm-hmm. we were kids mm-hmm. And that we also have matured (laughs) in ways that I would like to think that our parents, that's what they love and see about us now that our parents are like retired. Mm -hmm. I always tell my brother this. I'm like, dude, mom and dad are like mid 60s. You forget about that because in my head, I always see them as like 40, you know, or 45. Yeah. And that's another part where seeing them get older Mm -hmm. and seeing the health or seeing Mm -hmm the realities to them being this age now, I can see how that's definitely another phase of our lives that I don't think anyone really prepared us for. Mm -hmm. But having my brother there makes it feel like there's more options or solutions that we can do to try to help. Mm -hmm. Where versus I think for you, it's like, yeah, it's just on you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But then see, that's the thing where it's like, you also have so many close personal friends. Yeah. That since you grew up with them, with aunts and uncles yeah. too, that essentially are like your pseudo parents. Yeah, I definitely lucked out. I think a lot of my like really close friends I've grown up with for over, you know, close to 30. I think in that sense, I got very lucky. Like, I think that I didn't have the normal, like only child experience of not having anyone else to rely on or not having someone to grow up with because I did have that. It's just not as direct as having a sibling. But the other thing I also was going to mention too, about like one of the factors of how being an only child affected me as an adult is like, also I learned to be very PC and like not pick sides because <laughs> like, I just had to always straddle the line of being like mom and dad are right or like not Mm. leaning one way or the other too much with like either parents or anything like that so I feel like even now I'm always like oh I can see your point but I can also see your point (laughs) it's always like trying to find that balance even something as simple when I was growing up where people would be like oh you look like your mom I'd be like oh yeah but I also look a little bit like my dad (laughs) like always just trying to find that balance to make sure that I'm not gravitating too much one towards the other because there's only one of me And yeah, got to split up my time equally. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't ask you guys. I think Regina kind of answered it. But like, Michael, did you ever want like a younger sibling? Yeah, I would say so. Just someone to Mm. teach what I've learned to. I guess I could get the same thing with my own child. But it's different. It's different. Yeah, I think I would definitely would have liked a little brother just to like play Mm. sports with and to, Mm. uh, Mm. I don't know. Christine and I are close and we could talk about stuff, but it's also like, there's like a certain point where it's like, I would like to talk to a guy about this type of stuff. Like a a guy would understand Mm -hmm. this a little bit more, (laughs) but. Well, now you have Jack. And now I have Jack. And it really, I think I needed to get used to seeing Jack as a brother and Mm. as opposed to like your boyfriend or your fiance. But I would say that like, I've grown to learn to depend on Jack like a brother. That took a while for me to kind of, I mean, you guys have been engaged for a year, like more than a year now. And I would just say it was like only a few months ago that I've been able to just like feel like I could talk to him like he's my brother. Jack's like, wait, what? Just a few months ago? (laughs) (laughs) No, I think that that's, I also think that that's like really sweet that you guys like are now gaining more siblings, right? Like Christine now is still 
and Mike with Jack. I think that that is something that now as an adult, I'm like, oh, that would be really nice. Like, it's funny because I have friends who are only children and they're like, my kids are not going to have any cousins on like my side of the family and things like that. It's funny because like, I know that you asked me if I wanted a younger sibling. I always asked my mom for an older sibling. I was like, mom, I want an older sibling. And she's like, that's not how it works. I was like, no, 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 no. I just, I want an older sibling. Like, it's fine. We'll make it work. She's like, okay, go imagine one up. Go to your corner. That's why I start, I would always talk to the walls. (laughs) Did you want an older brother or older sister? I think I wanted an older brother. Mm. Yeah. Well, now you have Jack. Yes, I know. (laughs) We all have Jack Jack's just everyone's pseudo brother. (laughs) He's a great older brother for all of us. Well, I did want to say this last thing since my brother's here and I've said this to him in different ways, but like I would say the core of who I really am and what I do now, especially as a life coach and what you guys see so much on like Perfectly Imperfect and XOXO is how I really love being an older sister. I love being a sister. I think understanding what it really means to care for other people and not just care about them the way I want to care about them. That has been such a learning experience because as easy of a brother that Michael was and how easygoing and loving and all that, he's still his own person. Like my brother said, like we're very different. And there'll be times that I would be like, hey, Mike, what about this? And you should do this and all of that. And I've done it to Regina many, many, many times too that I started to realize that I was pushing myself on other people because of, I'm older, I care about you. Through the experiences of having a younger brother and all of like Regina and all these other siblings that I have on the side, like adoptive siblings in a Mm -hmm. sense, like it really taught me how to like truly care and love someone and really accept someone, especially when they don't agree with you and do what I prefer them to do. And then that I'm not right. And love is true love and acceptance of somebody else. That's where it comes from, that space where you can really remove yourself and be like, well, you know yourself best. And obviously, you know, I love you and I care for you. So how can I help you live your best life and not make it my own, (laughs) I guess, fulfill my own ego in a way or try to like, you have to accept my love in that space. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something where you could see, I'm so happy now that my brother, we're so close because I think that was the one thing that I felt was missing as I was moving forward with my life and learning about how to really be there for people that I was like, dude, I'm not even really that close with my own brother. And what a shame. We grew up together and he's my family, but yet we don't really talk, like really talk, you know, we're not really that close. You know, I'm really grateful for my brother for having the patience. (laughs) It's not easy to Mm -hmm. be Christine's younger brother. (laughs) So so, yeah, I like really appreciate that. Of all the kids that the universe could have given me as a younger sibling gave me my brother, which at the very end of the day ended up being like the perfect younger brother that I've always wanted. Mm, that's so sweet appreciate that (laughs) (laughs) yeah okay now say something nice about me (laughs) god no i definitely do agree with you know where we are today in our relationship was definitely not how we grew up a lot of the reason for that a lot of the reason why we're here today is because we both went through things in our personal lives individually and things in our family life together that forced us to take a look at ourselves and look at the relationships that we have and evaluate those. I would just say that like for any sort of like sibling relationship that's out there, it's like there's one thing to be siblings to grow up in the same environment and grow up in the same situations and just be connected by blood. But I think it's another to try to see your sibling as a friend. Mm. I think that requires a little bit more effort. That requires you to kind of like step outside of just the normal boundaries. Yeah, Christine's my older sister and and I'm always going to look at her that way. You know, she's very protective over me and it's always going to be like that. But in order to move beyond that and try to see Christine as more than just a jeje, which I'd never call her, by the way, but <laughs> see her more as, as just a sister for me and someone who is going through her own battles, trying to find herself. And the fight that she mentioned before, you know, I wasn't aware that she was going through depression at that time. I was upset with her because I looked at her like that. I was like, you're my older sister and you need to be taking care of the family and taking care of me. Like this is all falling on me. Mm-hmm. And I was looking at it from 
a very me perspective, like a very like, I'm the little brother, like, why is this all falling on me? Like, I need help, you know? And even mm-hmm. though I may have been somewhat justified in saying those things, it was also that I was not considering Christine as a person. I was just looking at her as a role of an older sister. Mm-hmm. And I think that really made me understand because once she told me, hey, I was going through depression during that time and I just needed time away. Once she told me that, I was able to see her in a different light and see that she was Mm -hmm. struggling with some things and us even more so as family, you know, we need to be caring about that and we need to be conscious of that. Mm -hmm. I would just say like, it's been really nice. Like we mentioned before, I got engaged a week ago, you know, and this, (laughs) Christine knows, but this decision, it was something that I needed to figure out. It was something I needed to figure out for my life and what I wanted. And Christine was a really big part of helping me understand that, helping me figure that out for myself. So I will say that I feel extremely blessed that, you know, I sort of have this free of charge life coach that <laughs> that can, you know, help me understand. And she knows exactly how I grew up because she grew up in that same environment, too. Yeah, yeah. No, I think that's so wise in making that point of being able to see family members as their own individual person because it's so easy not to. You're just like, but you're my mom. Yeah, "Yeah, my older brother. This is what you should be doing. You have so much ammo on each other that that like gets on the way a lot. (laughs) I think like especially as grown adults, it's like consciously choosing for yourself. What type of life do you want to have? And obviously your family members are a huge part of that if you want to be. I also want to insert here that with Regina being an only child and stuff, or you're not that close with your own siblings, that family is also who you want to make it to be. Mm -hmm. I would say Regina's Mm -hmm. family to me. If you are in an unfortunate situation with your family, there's nothing wrong with you looking outside for other people that you connect with and trust and want to have that like relationship Mm -hmm. with. I think Regina probably can speak more to that. Mm -hmm. I definitely agree. Like my best friends may not understand the different traumas that my parents, you know, all of our parents (laughs) inflict on us. But I do think that it's one of those things where there are so many people that I have developed really close relationships with that I do now consider family. Like Christine, you know, obviously it's crazy to think that our friendship has been over like a decade now. But I think that even though, you know, I didn't grow up with her or anything just over these past 10 years. Like, I feel like there's so many things that I will do or say that because Christine knows me so well, like it's in those like unspoken moments and unspoken words. And that's actually like one of the reasons why I felt like weirdly (laughs) comfortable around Mike, even though we like haven't spent that much time together because of like the Christine connection, you know, where she always talks about him and things like that. So when we all get together, you know, in passing or dinner or whatever, I'm like, oh, I feel like I know him already because of like the connection I have with Christine. Yeah, I I get the same thing. Too. It's kind of weird. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> but, but I'm I'm really, really grateful for it. And like I'm grateful that even though I don't have siblings of my own, like I have people in my life that act as my siblings or extended family. And you guys are definitely part of that. So I feel very, very lucky. Oh, yeah. Thank you, Mike, for joining us and, you know, sharing all these memories. We learned recently that Michael actually doesn't remember a lot of our childhood. (laughs) Like he has like suppressed so many of those memories. And I'm like, wait, you don't remember this? He's like, no. If anyone can help me out there, feel free to reach out. (laughs) (laughs) To find these old memories. These repressed memories. Yeah. (laughs) If you guys want to hear more of Michael, we have another episode of him. I don't know what episode number it is, but we'll link it down. It's the one about men and feelings. Jack is also part of that. Mm. I'm sure we'll have my brother back on again because, you know, it's always so much fun having him on. But mm-hmm. yeah, he also spills out so many of my secrets. That's what I'm here for. I'm, I'm here for the people. I love it. Uh, well, you know what? We can't say perfectly imperfect is about having vulnerable conversations if we're not willing to have my brother on here to be vulnerable for me about things. <laughs> Thank you so much, Mike, for joining us. Mike, did you want to plug anything? Oh, yeah. No. Like, do you want to? Okay. <laughs> I have nothing going on in my life. <laughs> well, you got a future wife. Let's put Sil on blast. You can follow yeah. Mike's fiance at Here, Venmo me if Here's my we're, Venmo. We're gonna need to pay for a wedding suit, so Venmo me at Microchen.com. Yeah, pay for all of Michael's traumas that I inflicted upon. Him. <laughs> 
yeah, thank you so much, Mike, for coming on our show. It's always so much fun to have you on and to hang out with you to <laughs> spill the tea on uh, Christine's <laughs> upbringing. And if you guys enjoyed this episode, feel free to pass it along to a friend. Thank you for joining us, and we will talk to you guys soon. Bye. 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 Yeah, the stars so, yeah, the stars so, yeah, the stars so